We love bread. At Olive Garden, you don't go there for pasta. You go there for the breadsticks. Or maybe you go to Texas Roadhouse, or you go to Saltgrass, you go to one of these restaurants that has the honey butter that you spread on the bread and just tastes so wonderful. But then again, we're in Texas. We like Tex-Mex, so you go to On the Border and you eat the chips and the salsa. Few things are as good as the bread or the chips and salsa. But bread for us is a side dish. It's a warm-up to the main thing that we're going to be eating. Imagine if you lived in a culture where bread wasn't a side dish, but instead bread was the main staple of your diet. It's hard for us to imagine that. But especially in antiquity, it was the case, unless you were of a wealthy family, that you didn't eat meat all the time. You didn't always have fresh vegetables or fresh fruit to eat, but nearly everybody had bread. That was the main thing you ate. And so in John chapter 6, as Jesus is watching and working with the crowds, he looks around to his disciples and he says, there's nothing for these folks to eat. Find them something to eat. And Jesus miraculously provides for them to have something to eat. And it's within that context that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The bread of life. Jesus wasn't simply claiming to have some nice little phrase that people would remember him by. It wasn't a campaign slogan. Jesus was saying something that they would understand, something that would resonate with him. He was the bread of life. The source that would sustain them. The nourishment that would provide them with life. And not just any life, but spiritual life. When we look in John chapter 6, we see what's happening in this passage and the story that John lays out for us and the context in which Jesus speaks to the crowds that are following him. Notice what's happening. As we've already mentioned in John chapter 6, verse 1, we find that there are crowds that are following with Jesus. And he becomes concerned with them. John chapter 6, verse 1. After these sayings, Jesus went down on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, and a large crowd followed him. Because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with the disciples. On the Passover, the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes, seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? Did you notice the idea of bread there? Jesus doesn't say, where can we find meat? Jesus doesn't say, where can we find things for them to eat? Specifically, he says, where can we find bread for them to eat? Where can we buy bread for them to eat? Because it was the main staple that people lived on. 
Of course, you know the story. The disciples say, there's nothing. Where can we find something to feed these folks? As we look down a little bit further, verse 9 says, Peter Andrew, I believe speaking, says, or, Simon, or, or Andrew speaking, verse 9, says, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people all sit down. And there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down. In number, about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with fragments and the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this truly is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Do you see what's happening in the story? What's happening is as Jesus is teaching the crowds, the crowds are coming because they've seen Jesus do so many miracles. They're enthralled, they're inspired, they're mesmerized by Jesus and his ability to do miracles. And so they're following him. And Jesus uses that moment to teach. But as he teaches them, he sees that they are hungry, so he provides them with food. And the people start putting two and two together. And they're Jews, familiar with the Old Testament prophets. They were looking for the Messiah, and they recognized that the Messiah would do these types of things, and so they want to make Jesus king the fulfillment of the Messiah. In their minds, the physical king sitting on David's throne in Jerusalem. But that's not Jesus' plan. So Jesus goes off by himself. As we read the text, we find out that over the next several hours... Jesus' disciples begin to move across the Sea of Galilee, waiting for Jesus, looking for the time for Jesus to join them. He tells them to go. The Sea of Galilee is about seven miles across to Capernaum, where he was going to go. And so they're out there in the boat. Late at night, Jesus walks across the water to get into the boat. The crowds don't know where Jesus went. And so the next morning, they're confused. They're looking around for Jesus. They see that there's a boat missing, and so they all get into boats that are there, and they go to find Jesus. And so that's what they do. Verse 22, the next day, the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat but that his disciples had gone on alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? 
Now, I tell you what, I've been excited in my life. There's been people, there's been singers, there's been concerts, and I've been excited to go see those folks. But I've never gotten up early in the morning and been so excited that I've wanted to row seven miles. Or to sell seven miles in a fishing boat. But you see, the crowds did that because they were seeking Jesus. And if we just ended the story right now, we might think, hey, this is a good thing going on here. The crowds have the right idea. But in the next few verses, Jesus seems to chastise the crowds. Notice verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. The Son of Man will give to you, for on Him God has set His seal. Jesus says, look, you didn't come to me because you're wanting to learn. You didn't come to me even because you saw signs and miracles. You came to me because you had your belly filled. You came because you're wanting something to eat. Hey, I had 12 baskets full of bread left over. I wonder what kind of baskets they were. But there are 12 baskets left over. They just seen Jesus take nothing and turn it into bread. Jesus says, you're not here because you want to hear me teach. You're here because you want something to eat. And he says, your priorities are wrong. Don't work for physical bread, which profits you little, but work for the true bread that leads to eternal life. Now, notice Jesus doesn't throw them away or send them away and say, get away from me, I'm disgusted by you. But realize the extent to which these people were willing to go to find Jesus and how they talked to Jesus. They get in their boats, they sail or they row for the seven miles, they find Jesus. They're putting some effort into it. They've worked for it, so to speak. And then they refer to Jesus as rabbi. It may not mean a whole lot to you and I. We think of a rabbi, we think of a teacher. But rabbi was a formal term among the Jews, which meant a recognized authority. And we have teachers, right? People that teach. But then we have professors, right? We have people that we look to that are scholars. People that we should sit at their feet and learn from them. They're not just calling Jesus a good teacher. That would be the term Rabboni. Here they call him rabbi. They're giving him the highest level of praise, recognizing authority as a Jewish teacher. They're heaping it on him. 
And Jesus says, you didn't come here for the teaching. You came here for the food. And so Jesus begins within this context to talk about the significance of who he is and what he has to offer. And it's within this context that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. As we begin talking about the I am statements of Jesus, last week we saw Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He tells them in verse 28, or they answer him in verse 28, they say to him, what signs do you do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who has sent me, or whom he has sent. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. See, they're still stuck on getting something to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said to them, they said to him, Lord, give us this bread. And then verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down out of heaven to, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise him up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. Everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am that bread that comes out of heaven. And he begins to make this distinction, this contrast between the manna that the Israelites ate as they came out of Egypt, that God miraculously provided them to sustain them while they're in the wilderness. Jesus says, that's nothing. Because I'm the real bread of life, the bread of life that comes out of heaven, the bread of life that gives you eternal life. And so what we begin to see as we look at the rest of the chapter is the significance of the bread of life. what it means for us, what we need to do with that bread of life. And Jesus uses this analogy to say we must be fully nourished. We must fully ingest the bread of life. Jesus is teaching our belief on Him, must be all-consuming. Not just something that we do as a neat little thing to see on the side, 
Not just something that we do to entertain ourselves. Not just something we do to pacify ourselves or pacify other folks. Jesus is making the case here that we need to completely be filled on Him and be sincere in our commitment and our belief to Him. Notice how Jesus develops this idea of being completely filled on Him and His teachings, being completely nourished on Him. We must completely come to Jesus. Notice how He develops this idea. Again, verse 52. The Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus, thank you for the nice grotesque analogy. You can understand why some of the people that heard Jesus' message, and we're going to find out, takes place in the synagogue there in Capernaum, are disgusted. Many of them are disgusted. They're confused by what Jesus says here. But you see, Jesus is using the analogy of eating bread, he himself being the bread of life, to draw that contrast. Again, between the manna in the wilderness and what it is to be filled and nourished on Jesus and his teaching. He says, you have to be committed to this teaching. You have to be completely filled in this teaching. You need to completely, sincerely come to me. And he does this by using this analogy of eating his flesh. You need to eat my flesh. You need to drink my blood. This isn't suggesting cannibalism. But if that's a metaphor, if it's an analogy... What is the point of the analogy? What is the point of the metaphor? Except to say that when we eat something, it comes down into us. We ingest it. We consume it. We completely are nourished on it. And it fills us. And the point of the analogy, the metaphor, is you can't just come to Jesus a little bit. You need to be completely filled with Jesus. You need to completely consume Jesus. You need to feast on Jesus. You need to be nourished with Jesus. And Jesus says, the reason why is because I have eternal life. If you ingest me, thank you for the grotesque analogy, if you ingest me, I will abide in you. I'm like the old wives' tale chewing gum that stays in your stomach for seven years, right? Even longer. Jesus says, I abide in you. And you and me, you have this eternal life that's different from the manna that the Israelites had to eat in the wilderness because every 
every day, every morning. They had to go out and they get, had to get new manna. Jesus says, you just eat me once. Be filled with me. Be nourished on me. And you have eternal life. But you see, you have to come to me completely. Don't just come because you were given a treat. Don't just come to me because you got some free stuff. Don't just come to me because you saw some neat miracles and signs. Come to me because of the teaching and be filled by me. Because I am the real bread of life. And so Jesus says, you have to come to me completely, not just a little bit. You know, it's kind of like when you're eating something that's adult food. You know, maybe it has bitter taste, maybe it has spicy taste. And you give just a little bit to your child. And what does it do? I don't want that. That's disgusting. That's yucky. You come to your kid with chocolate. Man, they eat that thing down, don't they? And you see, we can come to Jesus and we're like the little kid who has something that's bitter or spicy or salty or whatever and and you just spit that out. Jesus says, no, you have to eat all of it. You have to be filled with it. You have to consume it. You have to come to me completely. And then Jesus says, as we look here in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. You have to believe and hold to my teaching." So notice how Jesus makes his case. As we back up to verse 36, John chapter 6, verse 36. Jesus said, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus says, you have to come to me. You have to listen to what I'm saying. Verse 39, this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the third day. Verse 44, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on that day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Did you catch that? All who have been taught and learned of God shall come to me. It's the idea of teaching, listening to the words of God, being filled with the words of God, being drawn, not because you got food or a freebie, but because you heard the words of God and believed them. Jesus says, you saw me, you saw my miracles, but even though you saw my miracles, there's some of you that are standing here that don't believe. Even as you talked to me, even as you decided to get in a boat and sail seven miles across Galilee, you still don't believe. You're willing to go to that length to get some freebies, but you really don't believe in me. Let that sink in for me. We'll come back to that. He says you need to completely believe the words. Again, notice verse 60 through 63. 
Therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending from where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. Betray him. Jesus again goes back to the idea of the words, the teachings. You need to be filled with my teachings. Jesus is using the analogy to say, I am the bread of life. And several times in this passage, in this chapter, Jesus refers to himself as being the bread. And he's using that analogy not to say that he's something physically that we eat, but he's using that analogy to say we need to be fully consumed, or fully consumed, fully ingest, be fully nourished with him. But then he goes one step further and say, not just me, but my teachings, my words, because they come from the Father, because they are the words of life. They are the message that provides you with eternal life. And if you come to me, Jesus is arguing here, from any other motivation, you're going to move. Because you can come to see a sign. You can come for a freebie. And if that's all you're there for, you're not going to have the eternal life. You have to hear the words and believe them. Let them resonate in your mind. Let them resonate in your soul. Let them guide your life. Then you'll have eternal life. The issue that we find in this section is the issue of eternal life. More than the day after day gathering of the manna that the Israelites had in the wilderness, Jesus says, my words provide you with the things you need for eternal life. When Jesus makes the statement, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I am the source of nourishment for your soul. I am the source of nourishment for your eternal life. And you need to come to me and completely devour that message and be filled that message and be nourished with that message so they can provide you with eternal life. And unfortunately, as we look at this passage, unfortunately, there are some that sometimes cling to John chapter 6 and verse 44 when Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And some people cling to that passage and say, see, here it is. Jesus himself said it, that no one can come to Jesus unless God forces him. That's John Calvin. That's the Calvinistic idea that says that God already knows who's going to be Christians and has predestined only a few to be Christians. 
And those that he has predestined to be Christians, they can't resist it. They're going to become Christians. But it's important for us to look at the context and understand what Jesus is really saying here. Notice, first of all, that Jesus, when he says, no one can come to me unless my Father draws him to me, Jesus doesn't say what it is, at least in that verse, of what it is that draws some to him or that God will use to draw some people to him. It's true. The word that's being here, draw, literally means to drag someone. But almost every Greek commentary or Greek lexicon says that Jesus is using figurative language here, using it as a metaphor. In fact, Bauer's Greek lexicon says that it's the idea of attract. I'm attracting you. And there's other sources or other places outside of biblical literature where it's used in that sense. Not the physical sense of I'm going to grab you and drag you where you don't want to go. But in this literal or this figurative sense of attracting someone. What is it about Jesus that's going to attract some to him? Or that God's going to use to attract people to him? Isn't it interesting that in the same book, John chapter 12, verses 32 and 33, Jesus uses the same word when he says, if I be lifted up, I will attract all men to myself. How's that the case? On the one hand, no one can become to me unless my father draws him to me, suggesting only some, and yet Jesus says in another passage, I will draw all men to myself. Then John tells us in John chapter 12 and verse 33 that Jesus was talking of his resurrection, of his death, burial, and resurrection. Or literally, John 12 verse 33, signifying the way that he was going to die, lifted up on the cross. The story of the cross is irresistible. You may not believe it, but there's something attractive about that story that gets people's attention. And they talk about it. And notice in both of these passages, Jesus does not say, you have salvation. But that you're drawn to. You come to Jesus. And the point that Jesus is making in this passage is once you come to me, you have to be filled with me. You have to believe the teachings in order to have that eternal life. In fact, notice how Jesus shifts the statement in verse 65 he was saying for this reason I said to you no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the father what do you mean Jesus for this reason I said this back up verse 63 and 64 it is the spirit who gives life The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, for this reason, I said to you that no one can come to me unless it was granted him from the Father. How does Jesus explain his own statement? 
he explains his own statement by saying, you can come to me. Some of you have seen me. All of you have seen me. All of you have seen my miracles. All of you ate the bread that I provided for you on the other shore. And even though you had those things, there are some of you that are still standing here that listen to my words and do not believe. This is the reason I said you can't come to me unless it's granted you by the Father. Because you have to believe the words. You have to be filled on the words. You have to be nourished by the message. And when you are, that's when you have fed on the bread of life. That's when you have eternal life. We must hear, we must believe, and we must follow the teachings of Jesus. It's not good enough just to seek Jesus for physical reasons. That's not to say that we don't use opportunities to have an audience. Jesus did miracles to gain an audience. And he taught those audiences when they gathered around him. Jesus used the miracle of feeding the crowd as an opportunity because when they sat down, they were fed and taught them. That's why we can do things like take pizza to an apartment complex because it gives us an opportunity to build relationships and to teach. But you see, we're not looking just to give people pizza. We're looking to give them the bread of life the message of Jesus. It's not good enough just to come to Jesus because people you know worship God. It's not good enough to come to Jesus because your mom, your dad, your grandparents, someone close to you was a faithful Christian. You yourself have to be nourished on the words of Christ. And when we do that, we are filled with the bread of life.